This is the Shift Podcast. The Shift Daily Podcast. Today has technological world with Blaine Kylo. Blaine highlights super clean air purifiers. The Last of Us show being filmed in Calgary, which is a video game turned into a show. Are you okay? We're going to talk about strange tweets from the U.S. military uh, Twitter accounts that freak people out. Plus, do you ever go to comic book conventions? Do you ever want to? Is that just, I don't really get it, but Ryan loves it. So we talk about that on the podcast. And also, the master of pranking, Joey Skaggs, celebrating April Fool's Day. He explains the art behind the pranks and why we all should just kick back and enjoy the art that is involved. The Shift Daily Podcast is available for you. I'm not afraid to share Blaine Kylo that the uh, the uh, found a stick on the ground. I will sing that as I'm walking down the pathway because I love it so much. What's your dog's name, Blair? Get that out of your mouth. <laughs> Get that out of your mouth. I say that to my, I say that to my dog quite a bit. What Do are you, you what? chewing on now? <laughs> what's uh, what's your dog's name? Our dog. Uh, our dog is named Evie, after the Pokemon, of course, and she's a golden retriever, which is, you know, she actually has a bit of an Evie look to her, so that's right. appropriate. Ryan's uh, Ryan's getting a golden retriever. What is one tip you can give him uh, in getting a golden retriever puppy in the family, um, aside from be patient and, and let it run so it sleeps? Yeah, exercise is a big one. Um, they are puppies forever, and so they're actually super smart dogs. If you train them properly, they'll be really good, um, but they will always lose their mind when they see people. Um, I I heard, I don't know that if it's true, but I heard that dogs have no memory to speak of, and so the reason they lose their mind when they see you when you've been out of the room for five minutes is because for them, five minutes could be a year. It's like yeah. you're completely new to them every time they see you. So, yeah, Goldens yeah. mostly think they're people. Wow. Uh, yeah, no no concept of time passing, like only present. It's the coolest part here. A couple quick ones to get to before we move on to the technology stuff. Text comes in and says, I honestly believe that my girlfriend of four years is actually only with me for my dog. That could be fair. Um, another one that you can say to your dog uh, and probably gets weird when you say it to people, mostly because it's happening again, stop rubbing your bum on the carpet. Um <laughs> Both, both valid, though. I mean, if there's a guest over at your house and you have to say that to your guest, I think it's valid. You should be able to say that. <laughs> I love it. All right, technological world, Blaine Kylo, solocore.com, S-O-L-O-C-O-R-P-S.com. Uh, do make sure you go there and uh, check out his bloggy things and all his social posts and so on. We are getting into the super exciting world of vacuums to kick us off here, Blainer. Not vacuums with Dyson this time. Dyson is all products around a sort of moving air. So they got their start in vacuums, but they've actually been doing some really interesting things with um, fans. And what they've got new to their product line is a new air purifier, which is also a fan. Um, and they've managed to 
get the filter on this thing so precise that it can actually filter out and um, get rid of formaldehyde, which is actually a pretty serious chemical that is used in the production of a lot of products. It's a fixer for clothing. It's used in the production of a lot of construction materials in our homes. And it, it can be in the air in your home simply because it's off-gassing from the products that it's been used in. But the Dyson Purifier Hot Plus Cool Formaldehyde model of fan actually destroys the chemical, captures it, keeps it within the filter so it's being removed from the air in your home. And that's like the latest in a line of pretty cool Dyson purifiers that uh, that, that are fans and air purifiers at the same time. You know, we're moving into the spring, lots of pollen and allergens in the world and in your air, and the Dyson purifiers can get those out of the air for you too. I'd be curious when Dyson comes out with a furnace and a car, because that seems like where they're headed. You know, they actually were working on a car. Um, they had one, they had a whole team that was working on an electric vehicle. And I think it was about a year ago that they finally pulled the plug on it. It was just too much. Um, That's a good pun. And they decided to, to <laughs> pull, pull the plug. Yeah. Pun. Pull the plug. Absolutely intended. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, where are we going with the dance party? I'm assuming that the, uh, the conversation about dance parties is not taking us to Big White Ski Resort. Uh, instead, um, something different on Technological World. Yeah, it's something that David Byrne is doing. And any time that the former Talking Heads frontman is involved in something, it's interesting to watch. And so there's actually social distance dance club is something that he's actually staging in New York. None of us are getting to New York anytime soon, but um, you can see online his um, training video that he's offering up to people who are going to go and participate. And the whole idea is they've got this massive drill hall in New York City's armory where they've got little circles um, painted on the floor for everybody and so you can go and have a dance party with like hundreds of people but you're 20 feet away from everybody else and at the same time that you're going to be in this dance party you've got David Byrne actually um, giving you instructions on what you need to do so he's doing all of his talking heads you know weird arm movements and his weird intonations. There's a couple of videos you can find on Vimeo where he's demonstrating what it's going to look like, and it's just pure burn. But it's funny because you'd think the heavy breathing thing would come into play there. And just to be clear, you can actually go to New York. You just can't come home. <laughs> so if you want to go party yeah, with David true. Byrne. Yes. Um, Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, tell us about what's happening here. Yeah, this is uh, CD Projekt Red, the developer and publisher of that faded game that was released last year. Um, kind of really promising game that had a lot of issues with some of the versions for different machines. Um, so there's a couple of pieces of news around this. One is in an online report to investors the other day, CD Projekt Red revealed that they're actually acquiring Vancouver-based DigitalScape Studios that helped them do some work on Cyber 2077. So just like that, CD Projekt Red has got a studio in, it's actually in 
Burnaby, but you know, the lower mainland, anybody outside of the lower mainland thinks of Burnaby as Vancouver. So CD Projekt Red moving into uh, Canada with a studio. Um, and at the same time, they have a massive patch for Cyberpunk 2077 that is supposed to be addressing a lot of the glitches and issues that people had with the game when it was released last fall. Um, it hasn't actually got a release date. It's kind of imminent. It's on the brink of release. Um, but it, it's like a three screen length long patch list. So hopefully that will make the game a little more um, workable for many. Is it the same game fixed or is it the same game fixed plus something bonus? No, there's no bonuses yet. They, the developers have said there are going to be um, some add-ons to the game, some extra stories and missions and things like that that will be coming. Originally, those were going to be, you're going to have to pay for those, but they've decided to give those away for free. But they've also delayed the release of those because they needed time to make the fixes to the originally released game. So no timeline yet on the additional DLC for Cyberpunk 2077. Blaine Kylo and the technological world. Do you want to get the clip first or story first here? No, let's let's listen to the clip. All right, this is us. You've got to get this girl to Tommy's. He used to run with this crew. He'll know where to go. No, 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 that was your crusade. I am not doing that. Yes, you are. Look, there's enough here that you have to feel some sort of obligation to me so you get her to Tommy's. All right, Last of Us. Um, tell us about it because they're making movies. Yeah, they are. Um, so that's a scene where Joel, who's the main protagonist of the series, is realizing that he's actually got to give himself in to the mission of getting Ellie, who is the other main protagonist, um, and who is immune to this infection that has essentially ended humanity. And that's what The Last of Us is all about, is is what is, what is the end of humanity going to look like? Um, Pedro Pascal has been uh, cast as Joel in the TV series that's being produced for HBO. Bella Ramsey, who was also on Game of Thrones, um, she's playing Ellie. And we found out this week that the show's going to shoot in Calgary, actually. Um, HBO hasn't announced anything officially yet, but the Directors Guild of Canada um, releases a production list every month. And uh, they say that The Last of Us is going to be filming in Calgary starting in July. Uh, it's great news um, for the industry because there's been, A, not a lot, but there are some things starting to happen back in the film industry again, which is uh, which is kind of nice to see. And then, obviously, a direct tie into such a big community already. Pretty cool stuff. Okay, help me understand Steam here. Is Steam Does Steam help you build games, or does it distribute games, or does it play online? Because um, I did some it's, reading it's, about Steam. Yeah, it's a, it's a distribution platform, but it's also a tool that lets you play the games. And so it's Valve, which is the video game publisher. They're the one that came up with this. You know, we talk a lot about playing games on consoles like the Xbox and the PlayStation, but there's lots of people that play on computers. And a lot of those people purchase their games and use the Steam app to be able to play their games. And what Steam has done is they've got this new remote play together feature so that there are games that allow you to um, play with other people. And now 
those people that you want to play with on a computer, they don't need to have the game. They don't need to have Steam. They don't need to have anything. You can actually send them a link and it, as long as they have access to a browser that they can open with the link and a controller that they can play the game on, they can play any game with you, even if they don't have the computer or the Steam platform or own the game. It's a new feature that Steam has brought out, and the whole idea is to make it easier for me to share the games that I own with the people that I want to play with. So kind of like having your friends over without having to have your friends come over. Yeah, it's easier to do on consoles these days, less easy to do with uh, with some of the, the Windows boxes and other computer consoles, uh, computer systems, and Steam just making it easy. Now, the cool, there is so much free-to-play free games on there. Is that like those games where you have to pay to upgrade kind of stuff, or is it like you see on the phones, or are those free-to-play games actually kind of cool? Uh, the thing about Steam is it's completely wide open so anybody who can develop and anybody who wants to put the effort in can go through the steps and the process to have their game listed on Steam so you've got games that are being produced by one and two person operations and bigger games that are also being released you know by EA and and some of the other bigger publishers so you have the complete gamut uh, of, of games available on Steam so the free-to-play games on Steam are exactly like the free-to-play games on your mobile device some of them are free to play and they've got extras and add-ons that you can purchase that make sense and then there are some where they're just really trying to get money out of you and they're a bit skeegee in how they do it Blaine Kylo at SoloCore, SoloCore.com, S-O-L-O-C-O-R-P-S.com. Thanks, Blainer, for the time. We will see you again next week, sir. Absolutely. Play some games. This is the Shift Podcast. Ryan O'Donnell, what do you say we do some are you okays? I say A-okay. All right. Are you Okay. With Twitter? Uh, generally, yes. It can be a cesspit of, of awfulness and toxicity, but it also can bring me pure joy and very creative humor. So I wish I could filter it better, but as a whole, I would say yes, I am okay with Twitter. Yeah. There's some great things happen on Twitter, some great com communication, and then there's just some nasty, nasty trolls. So... Um, there's some people that I'm amazed by the way. Like, do you live on Twitter? Like, do you seriously like all the time? Yeah, I don't get that. I, I like all day, or do you just pre-program a week's worth of tweets and send them? Spend a whole day pre-pro. Like, I don't get it, man. Like, wow, we need to get you a hobby. But all right, before we get into the uh, story on Twitter, this is the situation of the Twitter account of the United States Strategic Command. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, had a slight weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? We're sending a squad up. Uh, uh, negative, negative. We have a, a reactor leak here uh, now. Give us a few minutes to lock it down. Uh, large leak, very dangerous. Who is this? What's your operating number? Uh, boring conversation anyway. 
you know I'm going to find a way to sneak a Star Wars clip in whenever I can. On Sunday night, that's what it was like. The government agency, the uh, United States Strategic Command, freaked out many Twitter users with a now-deleted tweet that only read, um, semicolon L, semicolon, semicolon, G-M-L-X-Z-S-S-A-W, period. Unfortunately, there wasn't any method behind any of the madness, nor was at least a kofefe explanation. According to journalist Mikhail Thalen, it appears the Twitter manager for Strategic Command left his computer unattended following a young child, uh, allowing a young child access to the keyboard. According to the response Thalen received from Strategic Command, absolutely nothing nefarious occurred, and the Twitter account had not been hacked. <laughs> hey, the kid can type, though. That's, that's good. He's learning. Strategic account, though, like Strategic Command, and it's just... You can control that from a laptop with the kids lying around. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not the, all right. The U.S. nuclear program still runs on floppy disk drives. So, no. yep, it does. Yep. It no 100% way. does. Yep. So, I guess you probably don't take that online, right? That's probably a closed network. Yeah. But at least we know their Twitter account is, uh, is safe and sound in someone's bedroom. <laughs> can you imagine someone out there? With the nuclear codes, like, ooh, free Costco gift card. All I have to do is click here. <laughs> <laughs> I got a good one at work. I keep getting them at work now. They keep inviting me to change my password. It's very nice. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, are you okay? Are you okay with bars? Oh, going to the bar, bud. Oh, I love giving her at the bar. Yeah, I love bars. I miss bars. I mean, in Alberta, you can dine in at them now with same people who live in your household. So me and my roommate have gone to a couple of pubs and bars uh, to enjoy a fresh pint from the tap. And man, that is a special thing. But I do miss having the larger gatherings there for sure. Oh, you never know what's going to happen. Might have been your last one for a little while. Sorry to say. The way the COVID counts are going. I know. Uh, I didn't. I didn't hear it as bars. It's funny. I thought about like Mars bars. That's where I went to. Maybe I need some chocolate. Maybe a I need to drink public... less. <laughs> <laughs> Never. A public apology has been issued in the aftermath of a quote raging party held Monday inside a private restaurant at a BC ski resort. We've alluded at this a little bit here on the shift. Restaurant owner Justin Reed posted an apology on Wednesday morning, stating he was sorry for the wild atmosphere inside his establishment. The video on social media showed uh, scores of young adults crammed into Charlie Victoria's at Big White Ski Resort, uh, getting lit. <laughs> I mean, it As, it were. <laughs> As it were. I just really wanted to hear what it would sound like if he said that. Thank you. It. Yeah. Along with table dancing, the revelers weren't wearing any masks like you could not see a mask in the whole video. They ignored social distancing guidelines. Well, because they were dancing together side by side on top of the tables. Here's more of the story from Global BC. It is a shocking video that has gone viral. A large crowd of people partying at a restaurant at the Big White Ski Resort east of Kelowna. The party was completely out of hand. People weren't wearing their masks. They weren't sitting down. They were dancing on tables. And management was nowhere to be found. So we acted accordingly. We called the RCMP. 
Appalled at what unfolded at the Charlie Victoria's restaurant Monday night, Big White has taken swift action with the restaurant owner. As of now, we've terminated the lease and we've evicted the tenant. Two current Big White staffers were also fired, but the majority of the partiers in the video were staff who had just hours earlier been laid off after the province announced a ban on all indoor dining for the next three weeks. When the uh, announcement came down at 1 o'clock on Monday, uh, most of the restaurants laid off their staff as of 3 p.m. that day, and, uh, and those were the majority of the people that were in the restaurant. On Wednesday morning, the restaurant's owner, Justin Reed, issued a public apology on social media. In his lengthy statement, Reed said, I take full ownership for this ignorant decision that I made out of pure selfish frustration over the recent announcement regarding COVID restrictions. He- so we, uh, he was that last word. So it was terrible timing too. Um Interior Health declared ongoing COVID-19 cluster hanging over the resort since mid-December had finally been contained. Not to be confused about... What's my series talking to me? What the hey? Um, oh, it's doing some searches for me. Thank you very much. Thank you, Siri. Just did a search for me on um, <laughs> on the uh, resort. Yeah, the COVID number is at the resort at Big White. Thank you. Um, that was pretty awesome. Weird though. God listening. Okay. Um, they finally cleaned it all up. Now it all gets shut down and they have at this point reportedly terminated the lease. So not only did, uh, those people get laid off and there was an apology, but that was a bad mistake because clearly, uh, they've terminated that lease, which I'm sure is going to be, uh, something that gets contested, but no tickets had been handed out at the time of the report other than the fact that the place is no longer going to be around. Which, by the way, the sign was Charlie Victoria's All Day Apre, which I thought was pretty cool. Hmm. Uh, oh, it also says um, Four Lease, which is sad. <laughs> yeah. 877-399-9898. You want to contribute on any of these, feel free. That phone number is there for you, and um, and we will continue. Are you Okay. I'll tell you what, Brendan, let's hang on. Let's just get this clip first before we even get into this next. Are you okay? Anyway, none of your business, Jim. You run the bed and breakfast. It is not a and b Agritourism is a lot more than a bed and breakfast. It consists of tourists coming to a farm, showing them around, giving them a bed, giving them breakfast. Are you Okay. <laughs> Are you okay with bed and breakfast? I've only stayed in one in my entire life, and it was in London. It was, not, it was outside of London, England, and it was one of the most amazing sleeps of my life. I was there on a trip, and amazing bed, woke up to an English breakfast with English breakfast tea, and this just very wholesome old woman was running the place, and I absolutely love it, but I haven't been to a bed and breakfast since. So, but just on the one memory, yes, love it. I've never actually stayed at a bed and breakfast. Really? I would love to do that. Yeah. Um, but I've always had, there's one show that was on in the 80s that has created this super romantic image of two things, um, of exactly that, the 
bed and breakfast, a small inn, if you will, plus anything that is up in the northeast corner of the United States. You know, that could be Connecticut, um, you know, well, New Hampshire is where the show is from and all of those up there. And that would be the New Heart Show. And the New Heart Show, if you don't remember it, was uh, Bob Newhart and he had, um, you know, this little, it was in Vermont, sorry, um, that they had this little, um, this little bed and breakfast. It was an inn. They called it a small inn at the time. So I absolutely have done it. So I w- or would like to do it, especially up there. There's a sign for a and b in North Carolina uh, washed up in Texas this week. How? According to locals, the sign was swept away during a hurricane and was lost on the seven seas until a Texas woman went looking for seashells. And she found it. That's a long trip all the way around and back down again. Here's more from NBC 15. That sign says Harbor House, which is a bed and breakfast on Dauphin Island. Julie and Billy Lindsay own Harbor House and say the sign fell during Hurricane Sally and floated away during Hurricane Zeta. It floated about 800 miles away. It's actually seven foot long, four foot wide, and probably weighs about 90 pounds. They say the sign was special to them and helped bring business in when boats came by from the marina. They didn't expect the sign to be found months later. She found it on Facebook with our Facebook page and sent me a message that they had found it. I thought it was gone for good. That, that's what signs do, actually, just to be clear, is you put them up so it brings in business. <laughs> it doesn't make the sign special, I don't think, but that's kind of what signs do, at least... That's what I'm here. Uh, when Chrissy and her husband found the sign on Padre Island, they wanted to take it home, but it didn't fit in the car. The last time they saw it, a family was cleaning the beach on Padre Island, and a man was holding it. The owners of the BMB are currently trying to find out if the sign is still there. Seems like a strange attachment to a sign, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, I've seen what the sign looks like, and it's very outdated in that it looks like it's from the 90s, but like you know, kind of very overtly weird pictures of fish on it it's kind of matches the b&b theme but they could make a new one that's better but the story you know imagine staying at that b&b and then as soon as you walk in every time they get to tell the story of their hurricane surviving sign uh the story behind it is way cooler than the sign all the way to Texas. okay cool all right (laughs) god loves texas um, love Airbnbs, not why sure why they all feel the need to cram 2,000 calories down your throat before 7 a.m. <laughs> I'm on holiday, for God's sakes. Thank you very much for that one. Um, also, there was a text that came in unrelated. says, totally off topic. wonder if there's any follow-up on the shrimp tails and the cinnamon toast crunch from previous uh-huh. RUOKs last week. Um, no, no update as far as I can tell. There's still yep. stories that are being reported the first time. But at this point, there is uh, no, nothing to report, Jim. Trust me. No, we'll Mr. Carp is still waiting on an envelope to return from a lab with DNA results in it on what was in his cinnamon toast crunch. Yeah, rat poop and shrimp tails. That's gross. Yeah. Uh, hey, Shane, my buddy has an Airbnb in the hills above Penticton. Vineyards, classic cars. He's an old oil and gas guy from Calgary. Think about it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Good show promo. Well done. Promote your buddy's business. Why not? All right, let's do one more here. Are you okay? Are you okay with comic conventions? Yes. 
<laughs> I love Comic Cons. It's an amazing place for people to come, you know, share their costumes and share their mutual love of nerdy stuff. And me and my roommate are in the process of building some costumes right now. And uh, mine's, it's going to be fun. I can't wait to what try you, it out when I can go can to the Can you tell convention. us what it is? Yep. What's, what's happening? I will be joining the dark side. I'm doing Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, so oh, really? custom robe with uh, like my, one of my good friends is a makeup artist, and she's agreed to do the prosthetics and the makeup and everything. And then wow. I just need to walk around with a hunchback and my hands drooped over and uh, have some fun. I can't, I can't wait to just mess with people dressed up like Emperor Palpatine. I've never been to a comic convention. I've never mm-hmm. been a comic person, so that probably could explain why. So I don't think it's safe for me to say if I am okay with comic cons. Um, I just don't get it. You should go. It's a lot of fun. Really? It's it, you can just people watch too. You'll be really? fascinated by the people watching. Yeah, yeah, that sounds interesting. I could do that for the people watching. Can I point and judge? No, probably. Not. That's not nice, Shane. Don't do that silently. One of the busiest COVID nineteen vaccination sites in Sacramento, California, will be closed for two days because the space will be occupied by an. Anime-themed event called Sack Anime. Sack Anime? Did I say that right, Ryan? Sack Anime? Sack Anime, anime. like Sacramento? Oh, okay. Not like yeah, Sack, like Sack bag. Anime. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sack Anime. As expected, residents have mixed feelings about the event. Oh, my God. I have mixed feelings about the 11 typos in that. <laughs> Fox News 40 has more. We're not actually doing the a full convention. This is just a swap meet. So we're going to be having mainly vendors. There's going to be no in-person panels. There's going to be no in-person in-person meetings. We're also looking at being 25% of capacity. We basically just want people to be able to go out and enjoy themselves a little bit. SAC Anime Communications Director Alex Arevalos says they recognize the imperfect timing in place of this convention, but are going to make the most of it in the safest way possible. We actually suggested that we could not using the area which is easy for vaccinations. We spoke about the possibility of keeping it open all the way to Friday because they are open only Monday to Friday. But this is out of our our hands. Officials with Placer County's Public Health Department say they've known about the convention for a long time now, but didn't feel it was necessary to postpone, adding they will extend clinic hours from Monday through Wednesday to compensate for lost time to the event something people are disagreeing with. I wish they'd keep this going because it's you see how efficient they are. It's <laughs> a good point. They're efficient? Well, the vaccination clinic, right? So if you oh. set up this vaccine clinic and it works 5 days a week and it's going really well and it's popular and then you yep. pause it and have to reset it up, that's I see a problem there. Uh, that's probably a very good point. Although, if they had a bunch of furries giving out uh, shots, also fun. Just saying. Everybody involved. That would be fun. Um, sack anime, um, as you described it. I did find out what cul-de-sac means, translated. Because uh, we all know cul-de-sac, the street, right? Doesn't made me think of it. Cul-de-sac translated means cul-de-sac, actually. Strangely enough, <laughs> okay. um, but if you go word for, as a phrase, if you go word for word, it actually translates to uh, bottom of bag. So, when you're when you're um, going to driving down the street and you get to the cul-de-sac at the end, you'd be like, "Oh, it's a bottom of bag," 
literally, anyway. Which sort of means the bottom of the street, I think, is this, the, the area, is the kind of the idea. But nobody that I could speak to, including French's first language friends, could actually translate what cul-de-sac means. It's the Shift Podcast. It is officially Thursday, April 1st, all across Canada. And here is a clip from a documentary with our next guest. His name is Joey Skaggs, and he is the king of the pranksters, if you will, on a level that none of us could ever imagine. Just wanted you to understand some of the context of some of the work that he does before we talk to him. There were busloads of tourists from all over America, all over the world. looking people, uh, as you well know, uh, put them on a bus and took them to Queens. took pictures of people mowing their lawns and washing their cars and I took people to Howard Johnson's for ice cream and White Castle for, you know, hamburgers and, and, and they screamed, we're being invaded, we're being invaded. Day and night there were busloads of tourists from all over America, all over the world, coming through looking at the hippies in the village. But to have freaks go to suburbia and take pictures of them, oh, we're being invaded. I think that is the definition of great political art is when it goes outside of the museum and affects people in their daily life. If I had a show of my paintings and a thousand people or ten thousand people came, well, that would be considered a great success. But if I'm capable of accessing the news and millions of people see it, well, there's a tremendous difference between 10,000 and 10 million. There's this magical land that humans go to. I don't know if it's a land of, hey, I pulled one over on you, or hey, that was funny. So the funny thing about pranks to me is I'm unsure if it's humor, as in humor is connection, or if it's ego, which is funny for me because if you think about it, Inside a prank, you know, you've kind of got this, ha ha, we've all come together and enjoyed this experience. And on the other side, there's kind of like this ego of gotcha. And so isn't it funny um, that it sort of both of those things dance at one time? There's a gentleman by the name of Joey Skaggs, uh, the king of the prank, if you will. Joey is uh, has a long history of pranks. Uh, Joey, welcome to the shift, brother. It's great to see your face. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me, and happy April Fool's Day. It is uh, it is a very special day for you. This is this is sort of your your day, isn't it? Well, it should be a national holiday in, in America, and for the last thirty six years, I have been the the creator, founder of the New York annual April Fool's Day parade, and. Uh, COVID has put a little damper on it for the last couple of years. It has to be virtual, but I continue to send out the thematic press release announcing who, who the, who's running for the, the king of fools and what kind of activities and what kind of floats we're going to have and what kind of entertainment we're going to have. The parade starts at 59th Street and 5th Avenue and goes down 5th Avenue to Washington Square Park in Greenwich Village, where the crowd nominates the king of fools for the year. It's a big title, the King of Fools. <laughs> well, we, have, we have lots of candidates, lots and lots of candidates. 
It's uh, it's one of those things where uh, there's no shortage today of options, um, and it seems to be, uh, I would suggest, easier. So you started this like hippie artwork, uh, like physical active art displays, living artwork. Yeah, I mean, you've sort of done everything from the throwback Vietnam War time all the way through. I mean, you've tackled religion. You've done everything. And yet I have a sneaking suspicion there are more and more options every day today than there was even back then. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. I guess for, for those of you who are listening audience who are not aware of, of who I am and what I, what I do and what I've done, I can give you just a quick synopsis to give you an, an overview. Uh, I started out as a, as a young artist in New York City. I attended the High School of Art and Design in Manhattan and uh, went on to get a, my, my degree from the School of Visual Arts in New York City, where I also taught. Uh, and I launched a, a course about media activism and uh, was doing it from, well, for decades. But I started out as a fine, art, fine arts painter. And I was really upset that I was rejected by galleries, not because of the quality of my work necessarily, but because I was just too young and I didn't want to take a chance. And also I had concepts that were maybe a little too hot to handle. Uh, I grew up uh, as a young artist in the 60s, and it was the war in Vietnam and civil rights and many issues that I decided I wanted to, to comment about. And I just couldn't have, I couldn't find uh, uh, a venue that would be willing to support my sharing my thoughts. So I took to the streets and I did social, political, satirical commentary by creating guerrilla theater that reflected my thoughts and, and what, was, what I thought was going on in the world. For example, I built a life-size Vietnamese village in Central Park and had an army of soldiers attack it to burn it to the ground on Christmas Day to protest the war in Vietnam. It was my Vietnamese nativity. And of course, people were arrested and made the news. But I watched how the news twisted and intorped the intent and content and the meaning of the message to suit their own agenda. At that time, yeah. the media were not opposed to the war in Vietnam. And anyone who was uh, should go to Canada. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I began as a confrontational artist making provocative, iconoclastic presentations. It was a confrontational time. There was a definite distinction between sort of art and business. I mean, you saw that with, with the, with the hippies and, and, you know, sort of withdrawing and creating communities and so much. So, I mean, so really, I mean, you were just kind of on point. And do you find it ironic by the way? Cause you did say in the documentary, uh, the art of the uh, prank, like you, you did say that you didn't know the business of art. You knew the art and the painting, but you didn't know the business of art. And yet, ironically, in hindsight, Joey, did you find that you figured it out? The reason why I say that is because what you created was by going to the streets is you created access to market, which is business fundamental two after marketing 101 says make everyone feel welcome. So um, you, you say that you didn't know the business fundamentals of art, but yet you created the biggest fundamental, which was access to the market. Thank you. I, that was quite a, quite an experience for me uh, to go viral before there was the internet. Uh, I did did stories that uh, the next day were spoken about and, and seen around the world because yeah. of uh, the internet, because of UPI, Associated Press, 
Reuters, the network news. So it was quite a phenomenon for me to see the incredible ability that one has when one uses the media as a medium. And that's what I do. I use the media as my medium, like a painter would use a canvas. And uh, it works. It does work. Are we... uh, uh, I always struggle with calling myself a journalist because I'm not a journalist. Um, But... I mean, is the media the problem or is the medium just the access to the problem? Well, it's both. Uh, mm-hmm. People are, are willing to suspend critical thinking for wishful thinking. And as long yeah. as people are willing to do that, they're going to be exploited. So this is so good, by the way. I love this, Joey, because there's a million ways. I will talk about pranks and all the things you get up to, but I, I really get curious about this. Who's more gullible, the media or the viewer? Well, it's the same. I mean, people make up the elements of the news media, and they bring their prejudices, their biased opinions, their <laughs> their religion, their, their politics, their philosophies to the job. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's one and the same. I mean, one has more power. They, they buy ink by the barrel, and they can certainly uh, influence people. But it's, it's all the same. People are, are, are pretty ridiculous at times. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. Um, so people are wishful, you know, critical thinking for wishful thinking. Um, as an artist, I mean, you, I mean, I guess, and please correct me because this is your lane, not mine. But I mean, eliciting a response, right? Like having an impact, eliciting a response, maybe making people think a little bit. Um, that to me seems like fundamentally what you're trying to do every day. And when people are getting sucked in because they're hopeful, you know, that that's kind of ironic in itself, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, and I have to differentiate between what it is that I do as an artist using the media as my medium, uh, as opposed to people who are out there to exploit or to prank to fool, to take money, to manipulate. Uh, we're in a war. It's a war propaganda. And uh, the enemy should, should be obvious. You know, people who are out there to, to mold your opinion, to think that, make you think that you have to go to war or make you think that you know, uh, you're being attacked in some way, philosophically or religiously, spiritually, uh, financially. Uh, so we have all these issues going on and and my job as an artist is to uh focus on one to find a, a way in which i can make it packageable and acceptable to get past the gatekeepers the news media and to uh, have it explode later on i explain my work in, that it's done in three stages the first is the hook where i come up with a concept how am i going to do it what's it going to take what's it going to cost how many people do i need do i need costumes thematically what's it about and does it please me does it challenge me creatively that's the hook the second thing is after i launched it where does it go how does it disseminate itself uh, throughout the world so i follow it uh and i see does it make the wire service does it go local does it go national does it go international where does it go and it's like playing an electronic telephone game i whisper in your ear we pass it around and the, mm-hmm. the message is either change intentionally or by accident. So I, I follow that as part of my art, where it goes. And thirdly, I reveal the truth because that's the most important part of what I do. And that's the expose. So it's the hook, line, and the sinker. 
the expose is a sinker. And for me, it's not the gotcha, ah, I gotcha moment, I fooled you, you're all idiots. It's when I hope that people realize that they have been fooled and they question what else do they believe that they that was not true, that they that you know that fooled them. So so it's mm-hmm. my work really is tries to focus on who are you, what do you believe in, how did you come to your beliefs, uh, what's the source of your beliefs? Do you ever question a source of your beliefs? If not, why not? So that that's mm-hmm. pretty much constitutes what my work is about. Does it uh, does it surprise you when people hear um, the amount of depth and work that go? I mean, because that's incredibly well crafted work, Joey. Like, I mean, most <laughs> like a business like a critical path for building a house is well crafted. It has to be thought out. Oh, by the way, I need to pour the foundation before I order my roof. Right? Like, I mean, as simplistic as that is, I mean, the reality is is that I mean, you are looking at all of these pieces of the puzzle. Do you think people get surprised when they hear that, you know, a prank to make you think <laughs> takes that much work? Yeah. So some people certainly are, are, are surprised and shocked and, and that's good thing. I enjoy that when they realize, you know, what it takes to uh, make pranking an art form. Cause to me, it, it is, it is my art. I'm out as an artist to, to convey a message. I want you to think about something. I want to illustrate the underbelly of something that, put light on the issue. I want you to realize that your thoughts are not maybe uh, right and should be, should be challenged. You should grow. You should challenge yourself. So yeah, I, 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 I appreciate it when, when people realize the depth that it takes to, to create a challenging message and get it out there. And I challenge myself as an artist. So that, but you know, it's, 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 it's my, my thing. Well, I, uh, I think it's uh, really great. Um, the exposing, I guess, the the what's happening. You, it's funny because you said hook, line, and sinker, Joe. You inspired me to to write this morning because I I do some spoken word stuff. Big shocker, radio guy. Um, <laughs> um, but the I, I wrote down this this piece that says um, what happened is someone just put a worm on a hook. It's the fish that saw it as food, right. And so it's ironic that you described it sort of the same way in hindsight, because then it becomes a thing. I mean, if you're just the guy who's putting a worm on a hook, technically it's nothing but a worm on a hook. It's somebody else sees it as food and consumes it, that it becomes a thing. So, um, you know, that's where the, uh, I asked the question a few minutes ago about, is it easier today? Because it seems to me like the world is consuming more and more and more of everything that we see. I mean, uh, you right now are wearing a make, uh, make Russia great again hat, which is dynamite by the way. Um, but to use that example, I mean, the world was consuming that uh, like crazy as, as being real, as being that evidence that you speak for that confirmation bias that you spoke of um, entertaining as well. Um, getting told what politics should be, what religion should be all of those things really are on display even with something as simple as that hat right right uh, you know I, I i say when i do presentations that um the madman creates for himself the poet for a loved one and the artist with the world so if artists to communicate which i believe it is and what is the biggest medium there is to communicate well it's the media so my challenge as an artist was to 
uh, try to find a way to con access and conquer uh, the media to get my messages out there. All right, let's talk about pranks. Um, Joey Skaggs is the king of the pranks, the art of the prank. You got a long list of access points for everyone to check it out. Uh, JoeySkaggs.com if you want to see the bio. Um, the art of the con, the art of the prank. There are so many different things here. 60 years of artwork, 60 years of artwork that turned into pranks, performance stuff, um, long list of people getting arrested. You hire actors. It's theatrical. There's so much going on. So tell us, because the audience doesn't know the story about the Chinese media and how you ended up pranking that um, and what that prank sort of looked like. Can you, in your own words, help us understand for everyone who doesn't know that work? Well, I'm hesitant to tell that story for a number of reasons. Uh, Self-preservation is one of them, uh, <laughs> which I will explain to you off, off, off camera. Sure. Um, but uh, let, let, me, let me just pick something else. Let me pick another story. That Absolutely. One of, one of my audience's favorites is my cat house for dogs. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, mm -hmm. but uh, in 1976, I, I was watching how the media twisted and torqued the media's focus on me. Uh, I, I can understand that as a young artist, I didn't pay a lot of attention to consequence. And a lot of pranks today don't even consider consequence of actions. Uh, and if, if, if you do, you realize, you know, in looking at what I do, I don't do it to exploit people for money. I don't do it to hurt people. Uh, you know, I, I do it to hopefully change awareness and other people don't have the same intent. Intent is a little word with the biggest meaning. And I always like to explain at the end of my performances, the intent of it what I tried to say, what I tried to do, why I did it, what it means, and what I hope has happened as a result of it. And um, so I watched how the news media took my Vietnamese village burning and on nativity on Christmas against the war in Vietnam and, and torqued that. And I watched how, you know, other things that I did. And all of this is available. They can either watch The Art of the Prank, the movie, or go to joeyskags.com. As you said, there's plenty of evidence uh, for people to engage in, to read about it. But I decided that I would do something specifically to fool the media. So I ran an ad in the Village Voice back in the 70s, which read the Village Voice in Greenwich Village in New York. Uh, Cat House for Dogs, featuring a savory selection of hot bitches from Pedigree, Fifi the French Poodle, to Mott's Lady the Tramp, Handler and Vet on Duty, Stud and photo service available. No weirdos, please. Dogs only. By appointment my phone number. With that in a press release, which said if your dog graduated obedience school, if you're if uh, if you you were embarrassed to come home finding him humping on a pillow, or if you were fearful of having company because your dog would mount your company's legs, since there are cemeteries for dogs, restaurants for dogs, clothing stores for dogs, all the amenities in life except the one that the dog would enjoy the most. Now for the first time for fifty bucks, you can get your dog sexually gratified. I said I had two drugs, one to artificially induce a state of heat into the, into the female, would only naturally come into heat every six months, and another uh, drug, which was a contraceptive, so your dog wouldn't have to worry about being the father of a litter of puppies. 
Of course, they're not ever worried about that. Well, this is get the human issue involved. So uh, I put I put this out in the, in this fake well fake ad in the Village Voice, and my phone rang off the hook, and people were willing to get their dogs sexually gratified for fifty dollars. They wanted to watch the dog humping other dogs, or even volunteering to get humped by the dogs. I mean, it was just unbelievable what what came out as a result of this. And then uh, cable television. Uh, a sex show, the first show in, in America on Manhattan, uh, Midnight Blue on Manhattan's cable channel J. Uh, Al Goldstein, who's no, now gone, who used to own Screw Magazine, and Alex Bennett was the host of the, of the show. They decided they would do a documentary on the Cat House for Dogs. So I got 25 actors and 15 dogs, and I staged a night in a whorehouse for dogs, which was no, totally bogus. Just for the media, I had a phony veterinarian. I had a dog groomer, hostesses serving cocktails. So you could be entertained while your dog's getting laid. And they ran this, and then it took off. That was the seed that started everybody else writing and, and wanting to interview me. So ABC Television wanted to do it. I told them I didn't want to repeat it. I had to go underground because the, the NYPD vice squad is after me. Various religious and humane organizations are after me. So I've gone underground. And uh, I gave them an interview in Washington Square Park, and they got the footage from Midnight Blue Show uh, of dogs humping everywhere. And dogs, we had a horny male dog. He would he would try to hump space, and he'd hump everything he could. And so the camper people are all down on the ground behind the dog's wagging tail as he's you know as they're humping away. There was no actual penetration, but it looked like it was a dog orgy. It was just hysterically funny because you can shoot it from any perspective you want. So that's how they went with it. So anyway, ABC was nominated for an Emmy and won the Emmy for the best news broadcast of the year on their documentation of the Cat House for Dogs, for which there never was. I was subpoenaed by the attorney general. I had to go down to the attorney general's office and say, you know, it's a conceptual art piece. It's a performance artist to show how the media will jump on anything if it's sexual or sensational. They had no evidence of it. They took some ridiculous footage and they made a, an award-winning documentary out of it and never ran a retraction. Oh, wow. So that's uh, one, one example of scores and scores of, of things that I've done where I've made the news local, national, and international for stories that are totally fabricated and what can I say? I'm still here. I'm still alive. I'm still doing it. And I don't know how. Yeah. Okay. So what's a bigger word? Cause from that, um, you said a few minutes ago, you said intent is the littlest word with the biggest meaning. So what's the, uh, cause you said no retraction, which bothers me. Um, so what's a bigger word intent or integrity or are they the same? Well, they go together. I mean, uh, you can, you can have intent to do terrible things and, I don't think that takes a lot of integrity. So I think, you know, for me, a, a good prank shines light on, on the underbelly and, and is meant to change people's perspective, change their perception, uh, change their opinion, and make them realize that what they think is uh, foolishly wrong. And that's a, that's a good prank. Doing the other stuff, the burning bag, the poop, you know, you, you shoot tying shoelaces together. That's all fun and game stuff. And it's, it's not what I'm about. And I do have an annual April Fool's Day parade, like I said, and it's very political. And I'd love for your audience to check it out 
And uh, I have, for the last number of years, made Trump a central part of the, of the, the parade. Uh, and there's a lot of fun stuff on the internet about that. I even gave him I a military it. parade. We had a fake, a fake military parade. So there's a lot of stuff for, for people to. Yeah, he did want one really bad. Where do we go for parade info there, Joey, so people can uh, follow along and and get all the uh, the April Fool's Day parade uh, stuff? Yeah, it's aprilfoolsdayparade.com. Simple and easy. The, the question I have for you, Joey, has anybody successfully pranked you, the king of the pranks? Well, I have a saying. I say it's a fool who thinks he can't be fooled. So people people have have uh, have played with me. I don't uh, uh, I don't try to encourage that because it's not what I'm about. It's not what I do. I don't target individuals. I don't try to embarrass uh, someone or exploit them in any way. It's, it's a bigger bigger target, a bigger vision. Uh, but yeah, we're all, we're all we're all capable of being fooled, and uh, I'm I'm certainly skeptical uh, about many things. But you know, I, I have hope in, in humanity. Therefore, I'm foolish. <laughs> there you go. That's your wishful thinking, right? Yeah. That's beautiful. All right. So if you want to check out all this stuff, you can just go to joeyskaggs.com. I do absolutely recommend that you check out. Um, you know, the documentary, Joey Skaggs, satire and art activism, um, go into the movie. Uh, there's so much stuff here, man. Um, uh, the art of the con, the art of the prank.com, joyskaggs.com. Uh, just give it a Google, give it a look and make sure you check it out and, and check out, um, Joey Skaggs and Merry April Fool's Day. How do you say that to Joey Skaggs? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ha uh-huh. <laughs> ha. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you, Joey, for sharing time with us. And, um, and I really appreciate Shane. it, brother. Thank you, Shane. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.